Welcome to the IIF Global Regulatory Update Podcast. I'm Martin Poor, the Director of Regulatory Affairs at the Institute of International Finance in Washington, D.C. For this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Grace Sohn, Head of Cooperation and Organization at the Financial Stability Board Secretariat, which is hosted at the Bank of International Settlements in Boston. In this podcast, we're going to be discussing cyber, an area where Grace has been particularly active also, given the current FSB consultation on effective practices for cyber incident response and recovery, which just closed for comment earlier this week. Grace, I hope that this finds you well and that life is returning a bit to normal in Switzerland. Hi, Martin. Thank you for having me. I wanted to first ask you about COVID-19, which is not only a health and economic crisis, but has also radically changed the ways that we're all working together. What have the FSB and member jurisdictions done in general to support the financial markets and financial sector to withstand the impact of COVID-19? The COVID-19 pandemic represents the biggest test of the post-crisis financial system. So it may be useful to recall for your listeners the main elements of the G20 reforms that were agreed after the 2008 financial crisis. These reforms have been coordinated by the FSB. There were four priority reform areas. First was making financial institutions more resilient, with Basel III at the heart of reforms. Second, ending too big to fail. This reform area includes higher capital and loss absorption capacity, more intensive supervision, and importantly, resolution frameworks for systemically important banks. Third, making OTC diverters markets safer has involved central clearing, trade reporting, and margin requirements. And fourth, enhancing the resilience of non-bank financial intermediation. The relevant reform areas include money market funds, securitization, and securities financing. So these reforms collectively have made global financial system more resilient today and better placed to sustain financing to the real economy. First and foremost, we see greater resilience of major banks at the core of the financial system. This has allowed the system to largely absorb rather than amplify the current macroeconomic shock. We also see that financial market infrastructures, particularly CCPs, have functioned well despite the challenging external financial and operational conditions. And finally, those forms of market-based finance that contributed to the 2008 financial crisis pose significantly lower financial stability risks. So it's obviously too early to draw definitive conclusions. The pandemic is still unfolding, and uncertainty over the scale and duration of its economic impact persists. Now, going back to your original question, what is the FSB and our members doing today? The FSB is supporting international cooperation and coordination on the COVID-19 response in three ways. First, we are assessing financial stability risks and vulnerabilities that may lie ahead as the impact of the pandemic on the global economy unfolds. We are working to inform policy discussions, and we are working with our membership to coordinate on global policy responses. As you would expect, policy responses have been tailored to jurisdiction-specific needs, but they have been underpinned by common principles that authorities have agreed to follow to support the real economy, to maintain financial stability, and to minimize the risk of market fragmentation. Under these principles that were supported by the G20 finance ministers and central bank governors in April, authorities will monitor and share information on a timely basis to assess and address financial stability risks from COVID-19, recognize and use the flexibility into existing financial standards to support the response, 
seek opportunities to temporarily reduce operational burdens on firms and authorities that will act consistently with international standards and not roll back reforms or compromise the underlining objectives of existing international standards. And then we'll coordinate on the future timely unwinding of the temporary measures taken. I'd also like to highlight the close coordination among FSB member authorities since the COVID outbreak began. Although we all face difficulties and challenges, including working from home, the FSB has held many conference calls to exchange views and discuss coordinated responses. We've also organized a variety of virtual outreach events on different topics, including at the end of May, a senior meeting with private sector representatives to hear their views on potential issues for financial stability, where the IIF was present. That's a long answer, but I am keen to highlight how much is happening for your listeners. We have been open and transparent about our work, so I would encourage people to find more details on our website or follow us on Twitter or LinkedIn. You may also want to refer to the FSB report on COVID-19 that was submitted to the July G20 meeting and published last week. Thank you very much, Grace, for highlighting all the ways in which the FSB has been undertaking actions to mitigate the impacts of COVID-19 and also coordinating all the various jurisdictions. That has very much been appreciated and recognized by the industry. I wanted to turn now to cyber risk. If we stay in the COVID-19 context, are there any specific issues around cyber risk that have been a concern over the last couple of months or that have made you think differently about how the financial system can be impacted by cyber events? There is anecdotal evidence of increased cyber risk as a result of the pandemic, as some threat actors have looked to take advantage of work-from-home arrangements, which has increased dependencies on IT and telecommunications infrastructure. This has posed challenges to detecting and identifying cyber risk as well as responding to incidents in a timely manner. Fortunately, so far, we have not identified significant incidents at a financial institution that had impact on the financial system. However, it will take time to get a view of the full picture. You'll see in the consultation that we included an additional question that specifically asked respondents what lessons they have learned from the COVID-19 pandemic related to cyber activity. We're keen to understand how these lessons could contribute to effective cyber incident response and recovery practices. I would expect there will be some lessons we can learn from recent activities. We've also been encouraged by the fact that there haven't been any public material breaches. The FSB has obviously been active in the area of cyber risk for quite a few years already, first publishing a stock take of regulations, guidance, and supervisory practices in 2017 and then following that up with a cyber lexicon in 2018, common terms and definitions. We felt that both of these initiatives really helped streamline public sector initiatives and private sector approaches to cyber resilience. Can you tell us a bit now about your latest project, which you alluded to earlier, around effective practices for cyber incident response and recovery? Why was this topic chosen, and what are you aiming to achieve with these practices? The case for international cooperation on cyber security in the financial sector is strong and perhaps even more important than for many other areas of regulation. So one reason is that cyber threats to the financial sector are global. The attacks can originate anywhere. So a successful cyber strike strikes on one or more entities could easily have rippling consequences on other entities, including around the world. This risk contagion underscores the nature of threat impact in the highly interconnected global financial system. So the 2017 9 malware attack illustrates this. 
It was reported that the incident affected systems in a large number of banks globally in less than a day and cost an estimated $10 billion in total damages. Another reason why cooperation is so important is that the financial sector is a prime target of cyber attacks, both for financial and symbolic reasons. IBM estimates that attacks on financial services accounted for 17% of all cyber attacks, which is the highest in the top 10 targeted industries in 2019. So threats are rapidly evolving and increasingly sophisticated and able to impact institutions of all sizes. They will target the weakest link in the network. So efficient and effective response to and recovery from a cyber incident by organizations in the financial ecosystem are therefore essential to limiting any related financial stability risk. Such risks could arise, for example, from interconnected information technology systems between multiple financial institutions or between financial institutions and third-party service providers. It could be from a loss of confidence in a major financial institution or group of financial institutions or from impacts on capital arising from losses due to the incident. So the toolkit lists 46 effective practices organized across seven components. So first we have governance, which frames how cyber incident response and recovery is organized and managed. Second, we have preparation, which is about firms establishing and maintaining capabilities to respond to cyber incidents and their ability to restore affected critical functions, processes, and data to normal. Analysis, which includes forensic analysis to determine the severity, impact, and root cause of the incident to drive appropriate response and recovery activities. The fourth area is mitigation to prevent the aggravation of the situation and to eradicate cyber threats in a timely manner to alleviate the impact on business operations and services. The fifth area is restoration. It is about repairing and restoring systems or assets affected by a cyber incident to safely resume business as usual delivery of impacted services. The sixth area is improvement to establish processes to improve response and recovery capabilities through lessons learned from past incidents and from proactive tools such as tabletop exercises, tests, and drills. And the last area is coordination and communication. And it's about coordinating with stakeholders to maintain good cyber situational awareness and enhancing the cyber resilience of the ecosystem. Taken together, these seven components provide helpful baselines for effective practices. Yes, as you say, the 46 effective practices you know, over those seven areas are very useful. I think that many, if not all firms, are already undertaking them. Are you hoping that this exercise will both strengthen the overall system and also help streamline and make more consistent industry practices? Cyber risk is a risk where each participant is only as strong as the weakest link. So therefore, while many large firms may already follow these effective practices, it's important that these practices are followed by the whole of the financial ecosystem. So we will obviously also be guided by the responses we receive to the consultation which, as you noted, closed on July 20th. The current COVID-19 pandemic and the working from home experience is also a strong test of cyber resilience. You talked earlier about some of the initial lessons learned. I'm just wondering, are there practices inside the toolkits that you think have been most important recently, also given the lack of a high profile attack so far? This is where we are keen to get feedback. As you know, the FSB held four virtual outreach meetings where the IIF was actively engaged, and we appreciate that. 
During these virtual meetings, we heard about increased attacks, mostly about increased phishing activities related to COVID, but we really want to hear what stakeholders have to say about their broader experiences over the last few months, like what they have faced, what they have learned, what does it mean for the effective practices set out in the consultation. The previous FSB initiatives showed that all jurisdictions are creating guidance and rules around cyber risk, often based on the same principles. They're not always implemented in the same way. To what extent could the final toolkit also be useful for the authorities themselves? The toolkit could help to address some issues of fragmentation that you have mentioned. However, it's important to be clear that this is a toolkit of effective practices. It is not an international standard, as the consultative document states. Therefore, some differences will persist. Often this will be because of relevant local considerations on the part of supervisors and firms. One of the evolving topics is how to build up proper cybersecurity controls around supply chains and third-party vendors. So given that the toolkit is really focused on the firms themselves, what they should be doing, what are some of the considerations, Grace, that you made in producing this toolkits when it comes to how supply chains and third parties can contribute to incidents response and recovery? As you are aware, supervisors are clear that regulated firms cannot delegate their responsibilities. So it's really important to ensure that when using third-party service providers, regulated firms have in place mechanisms to ensure effective governance of cyber risk on the part of the firms they are outsourcing activities to. So the toolkit makes clear that organizations should adopt supply chain risk management to ensure quality of the provided stability risk, recovery, and response services. So for instance, this could be achieved through service level agreements with key performance indicators as part of the contract with the third party service provider to guarantee adequate response during cyber incidents. Organizations should look through the service level agreements that rely on subcontractors such as nth parties and ensure they have protections in place. Thank you, Grace. In closing, Resources, maturity levels, and experience vary across the financial industry. And as you said earlier, the chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Are there effective practices in the toolkit that you think are particularly pertinent for some of the institutions that are less mature in their resilience? So we think we have put together a toolkit of effective practices that are commonplace in the industry and which are proportionate to the significant risks posed by cyber incidents. Great. Thank you very much, Grace, for sharing your insights. We think that the toolkit is a very welcome and important project by the FSB, and we have submitted a response to you on behalf of the IF and our members, taking into account various views that our members had in terms of how the toolkit can best be used and promoted forward internationally. I've very much enjoyed our conversation, and I look forward to seeing you again when things normalize. We thank everyone for listening to this podcast and hope that you all stay safe and healthy. Please consider subscribing to the IIF Global Regulatory Update wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.